Recording? Yeah, recording. This is Mom's Basement Podcast, episode 46. Um, it's my birthday edition. Uh-oh. Yeah, where we get to answer the question, why in the hell is Portland uh, controlled by a bunch of damn elves? <laughs> yes, that's a good <laughs> fucking question. Because they had superior weaponry. Their bows and arrows were better than whatever you guys are packing over there. Your, I second uh, that. Vegan smoothies or whatever. <laughs> and grunge music. <laughs> I know nothing about your state. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, today we have something special for you guys. Yeah. Shadow hack. But, yeah, today we're going to talk about Zach Wolf's hack of Shadowrun, which is, uh, yeah, it's called Shadow Hack, so it's all right there in the title. And we have a discussion about, um, oh, 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 actually, Alex, you better roll to see who gets to, who gets to say this. Uh, I got a seven. I got a one. All right, so. Or we roll on a D. I don't know. Just roll the die. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I go last. I got a one. But... All right, so you guys have to re-roll again because you guys tied for initiative. Oh, that's oh no, wait. Oh, who has the highest dex? Oh, uh, I don't know, Rudy. Who do you think has I the highest dex? Well, you're the thinnest one, so I think you would have the highest dex. But I'm yeah. really awkward, though. But Rudy is also kind of lethargic, and so, so probably... Okay, but either way, Alex, you rolled higher than us, so you... You won. Well, you you, if you're gonna talk about initiative, you have to do it correctly. You guys won because you rolled low. You're not. You're the rolling high is bad. No, no, rolling high is yeah, good. Yeah, rolling high is good. All right, we're gonna talk about initiative and why these people fail at this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, first, before we get into our discussions, uh, any personal messages? Any any announcements to start off the show? Oh, I got one. Yeah. I recently did my interview with Wilhelm from, uh, you know, you may have heard of him from episode 41. And, um, yeah, we talked about, uh, you know, things like a walk in the park, things like a kiss in the dark, things like sailboat rides and, you know, about the night we cried. Are we going to have to pay for that sample now? <laughs> Uh, no, you just like we don't have to pay for the pictures we steal, just like we don't have to pay for the pictures, you know. <laughs> no, man, we got permission. Everything on our blog, we requested permission. Oh, just I like know. every other podcast requests permission for everything, yeah. too. Yeah. Okay, so with that out of the way, but basically, uh, we talked about um, groupthink and uh, how it can affect uh, the, sh- the social uh, aspect of your group, and basically how it also changes the way you play you guys play games so i thought it was pretty good uh we'll have a link somewhere eventually blah 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 yeah cool i'll have to listen to that i'll have to make my uh, i'll have to break my strict rule not to listen to any podcast including this one and listen to that podcast um rudy any 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 anything you want to say at the beginning of the show here mm, no not really okay 
I wanted to mention a couple things. So you know how a couple of weeks ago we talked about the Forge and we said, man, I wish a gaming community, or excuse me, a game design community looked like this. I wish if I was going to build a game design community, it would have this and that and that. And you know, I said, what the fuck? You know, it takes an hour to install a message board on your website. I have web space. I've got a domain of sorts. Let's put something up and let's do it. Let's run an experiment here and see if we can build a functional game design community. So if you go to miserytourism.com backslash forum, misery tourism is all one word. You will find a forum there that has basically no posts in it right now. But, uh, yeah, you as a mom's basement listener get to be the first ones to sign up <laughs> <laughs> to this vacant empty board. Uh, and the idea is I, I want to, it's a prototype right now, and I want to get some people to weigh in. There's a website discussion forum. I've asked a few questions. I want to get people's feedback on what they're looking for, you know, what they want out of a more traditional forum style community. So, hey, if you have a few minutes, log on there. Register one of the first accounts on the site, answer some questions, and then maybe after a few days, I'll drop it on Story Games and see if we can get some feedback on there. But you, as a mom's basement listener, gets an, get an exclusive. <laughs> so that's miserytourism.com backslash forum. Someday, if it actually takes off, maybe it will have its own uh, URL. So yeah, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw something out there for you, just, just for everyone to know. If you see someone named totally not a troll, like you know, like just bash you openly, tell you your design is shit, that's that's <laughs> that's not me at all. Just letting you know that. No, it's totally not Alex Swingle because Alex Swingle totally is a troll. Exactly. <laughs> so why would he say he's totally not one? Yeah, it would make sense. Nah, nah, it, it'd be stupid. Okay, moving on. Yeah. Shadow hack. So, someone want Rudy, you're the you're the Shadowrun fan here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Shadowhack before we start to talk about our feelings? Well, Shadowhack is a uh, OSR old school Renaissance hack, and uh, I think also Redbox, isn't it mixed with Redbox or something? Yeah, it's a um, it it uses the rules for the Redbox hack, right? Which is also the old school hack. Right, right. But it is a hack of Shadowrun, which was a game that came out in the 90s, was it? 89, I think I saw. 89, yeah. And basically this game is a cyberpunk-style deal where uh, magic comes back in the world and uh, there's monsters running around and all kinds of awesome stuff. And... Big mega corporations own everything that isn't yeah. by the Native Americans who got their ghost <laughs> and magic back and took over half of the half of North America, reclaimed half of North reclaimed America. Reclaimed it. Yeah, that's pretty much Shadowrun in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome setting, by the way. I knew nothing about Shadowrun basically besides what you had mentioned in passing before I studied up on it in order to GM this session. And what an amazing set, uh, setting. I don't, I can't think of any published setting 
that I really said, wow, that's so cool. But this one, I even did, I, I, I looked up a map and I was looking at all the different countries. I don't look at maps. I hate fucking maps. But for Shadowrun, I studied a map of the setting and I, I just wanted to learn more. Because it's such a goofy mashup of like everything that's cool. Like out of control capitalism and goofy modern day magic and people <laughs> and, 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 and like strange political commentary and all sorts of anachronistic nonsense. There's so much cool shit going on in the Shadowrun setting. But let's talk about Shadow Hack specifically. So let, let me ask, has anyone here actually played the original Shadowrun game, one of the four editions? No. Not per se. No, no, we haven't. Okay, so we can't really do a comparison here. No, I mean, all I've done is played the video game, and that was supposed to be, you know, true to the game. Well, how does Shadow Hack stand up to the video game? It is pathetic. It is a sad excuse. And overall matches the thing entirely. <laughs> I, I actually, um, I'm going to have some trouble reviewing this game because I don't know how much, it's hard to say what is, um, what if anything is original content here. Because it's clear he's taken the Shadowrun setting and mixed it with the um, old school hack, the red box hack rules. And added in, a, I guess, a few of his own twists. So it's hard to say. Uh, and since I haven't played the the uh, Red Box hack or any Red Box hack based games, it's hard to say what is what here. So I'm going to review this game not so much as a hack, but as a whole. You know, and, and how it works as a whole. And I guess you guys, how do you guys feel about that? Looking as the game at the game as itself, as a complete work, as opposed to looking at it as a derivative work. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, since none of us have really played uh, Shadowrun. So, uh, opening thoughts on this. How do you feel about it? Rudy, go ahead and start. I've already said stuff quite a bit. All right, well, I think uh, I've never really played an old-school hack uh, game, OSR or Redbox or otherwise. So I was kind of surprised... See that I to see how much I actually like this because I'm not really into the more old school games like yeah. uh, Dungeons and Dragons and uh, that kind of stuff. Um, most of those games just tend to annoy me, <laughs> but uh, this was actually really pretty fun. Um, the rules were short, short enough to basically cram into what 12, 13 page manual. Yeah, plus character sheets. Plus character sheets, and uh, the the way they, um, or the way Zach took the characters and kind of condensed them down into, I think five playable ones. I think it pretty much captured the spirit of the Shadowrun universe from what I've seen of it, and uh, yeah, it was just an overall fun time. So what made this fun? What made this more fun than, say, playing an old-school-style D&D session or any old any of the old-school games that annoy you? Basically, the uh, accessibility of it. The fact that you could roll up characters in, like, five minutes and then have the game start. 
and really no no real prep seemed to be required for it. And um, the simplified combat rules were also pretty nice. Yes. Because I've never played Shadowrun, but I have looked at the I have the manuals on my computer, all legal, of course. Right. Um, and they uh, that looks like probably one of the most systems I've ever seen. And I wouldn't want to play it. <laughs> but this was this was just quick and fun, and uh, it was just real easy to get into. Yeah. Alex. All right. Well, first thing I, I need to make sure uh, I was just joking about saying all those terrible things. It's actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> so I didn't want to, you know, it was Zach's here. Don't want to burst, you know, don't want to hurt you, hurt you too much. In case you're a sensitive lad. Um, <laughs> but basically, what I was, um, I really, I really wasn't getting what you were, uh, what you were feeling there, very because I felt for this one, a lot of it had to do with just me being outrageous with the character. You know, with the, with the style of what we were doing, hmm. but um, overall, the the thing that helped me the most was labeling it the street samurai for one of the characters, <laughs> instead of it like just being a fighter, uh, right. because that gave me a um, a lot of uh, ideas with how I wanted to portray the the dude. Yeah, there's a lot of flavor here, in yeah. just a in a um, as you said, a 12 page manual plus. Uh, five classes, five character sheets. There is a lot of flavor here, especially considering he omits any real explanation of what the Shadowrun setting is, Mm -hmm. which is something that I'm not sure if he does that. He he says in the manual that he does it to keep the book short. You know, he he didn't... But I wonder if he's doing that in part for copyright reasons, you know, that he doesn't want to get too descriptive about the setting because he's worried about possible legal complications or something but assuming that isn't the case i would have liked to have seen just maybe one page about the Shadowrun setting that really boils it down and gives you the essence of it because since this is so easy to pick up and play i think it would be i could imagine people who are not Shadowrun fans you know who haven't played the old versions of the game who maybe did what you did, Rudy, and glanced at them and said, holy shit, look at these rules, and, and didn't want to have anything to do with it. I think for people like that, who maybe like cyberpunk, but don't really know the Shadowrun setting, just just a page, you know, just basic Wikipedia quality information about the setting to really give people a sense of what to expect would have been nice. Yeah. But Alex, you were still talking? Maybe? Yeah, as I was saying... Um... I mean, there was some flavor with the uh, with the character classes, and that made it useful. But overall, there there really isn't that much uniqueness going on with um with the, this combination of the uh, of the two John of the two games. <laughs> it, it didn't feel like that to me because it felt like me just being an outrageous character and having fun in 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 the near future style of game instead of um relying on the near future for the for the story. So you're saying you feel like your role-playing decisions carried the game more than the game design carried the game? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. Because we could have easily done this in, like, the 1950s because of the boat chase we had and the car chase we had and all that kind of stuff. We could have easily done this in any time period where there were automotives. That's we true. Didn't, we didn't go that far into it. That's true. And we only it was a brief session, you know, and that's partially my bad. I did get some of the hacking stuff in there and other things. But it definitely uh 
they definitely didn't get too deep into like the corporate states and the and some of the flavor. It was very uh, region specific, and we were using a region that wasn't that different from our world. So I'm not sure if that's anything that's necessarily wrong with the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much as it was just you know decisions about how to run the game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, going into playing this game. I didn't really know how to feel about OSR style games because like Rudy, I, um, you know, well, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about old school games anyway, because I did really enjoy Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. And I especially enjoyed the like Dungeons and Dragons as a board game games like Dragon Strike and Dragon Quest and the, and the, and the advanced D&D starter set that had all the maps that you could put on the table and play with them. And that's one thing I liked about this game is the fact that it does have a mapping component in there, but it's not a cumbersome or obnoxious mapping component. You can basically make a very crude map, uh, with that, and it doesn't take hours and you don't, there's no hexes, there's no grids here, there's no really analyzing, there's none of that anal retentive nonsense. But there is the impetus to draw a map with different zones on it. And zones are like discrete places within the area that you're fighting. And I found that was actually really cool because you got a sense of, say, someone, you know, jumping from a freeway into a moving vehicle. You know, the freeway is a zone, the moving vehicle is a different zone. And they, they function differently. Uh, or mapping something where it's a freeway and it's the buildings by the freeway and it's the vehicles on the freeway and you get the interaction between those different zones, which make it makes it a lot more dynamic than having a straight up kind of flat combat area like a lot of those old school games have where maybe there are things happening, but it, it even uh, even a complex or, or interesting setting can often become just a background, you know, just a backdrop in that kind of play and, and become uh, totally trivial. You know, it can, can have nothing to do with how play actually, you know, rolling D&D, old school D&D style combat on an open plane is often very much the same as old school D&D style combat, you know, on the back of a dragon or something. <laughs> Maybe you're making a reflex save every turn not to fall off the dragon or something. But there's nothing else that really... But otherwise, it's just rolling the same dice and doing the same thing. And having these zones in this game and encouraging people to move between them and use the barriers between the zones and play, the space between the zones, try to throw someone into a different zone, that little thing, which is, works in a very simple way, added a lot to the richness of combat. But what I started to say was I didn't know how to feel about OSR-style games, and I still don't really know what to feel about them. (laughs) I mean, in some ways, as you said, this game strips some of the obnoxious stuff away. You know, it strips away the cumbersome rules. It strips away the, um, the static way, the way that combat usually feels either oppressive or static and, and dull. But there's still a really large element of random chance here. And I understand if you want to capture the feel of old school games, you need that dice chucking feel. You know, you, you need to be 
throwing the dice and wondering if your character is going to live or die, and you need the GM and you need all of that. But I'm still not a big fan of that. And I still kind of see why games evolved away from it. So while I can understand why you would want to include that stuff in an old school style game, if you're trying to capture that feel, I'm not sure if revisiting the vices of old design styles is a good choice, I guess. Well, I have a, I have a few things to say about that, uh, Will, because, well, the first thing is that that zone uh, concept that's been done in in many games before. Kind of, I, I think I forgot which superhero game it was, but that was the first one to actually do it. Hmm. So it, it's not totally unique. It's pretty much identical oh. to how that other game did it. But then the other one was, for me, um, I find it I, I found it a little strange when you said evolved. You, I don't know if you meant it that way. Well, I meant they evolved out of being old school games into being contemporary games. Okay, because you said usually people say evolve as an improvement. I think it's an improvement, but I guess we can have that fight on another day. That's why I wanted you to confirm that, so I wanted you to confirm that for me. Yes. Um, but for me, OSR, the the entire purpose is for that for that old style of random dice and you go with the scene and you can clearly hear on the on the play test if you ever listen to it <laughs> I, I like to refer to it now um but uh, the random dice really helped me quite a bit because that's where i thrive i i thrive in the randomness and uh, it it really shows uh, just by the random things i said so yeah that's pretty much all i wanted to rebuttal and, and like i think random is awesome rudy you wanted to jump in here well, I think um, the random chance present in this game really kind of serves the game, like Alex was talking about. And uh, even though I don't normally like random-ish stuff, and even though I got fucked on my stats again... And then fucked in a series of rolls after that. And then fucked on a series of rolls. It didn't really sour the experience for me because of the way the game was set up, I guess, to uh, kind of where... Everything is not, it's not so much of a, you know, crippling thing if you fail a dice roll, basically. Mm. It's not, it's old school, but it's not, you know, that kind of old school where, you know, if you fail one roll and you're fucked. That's true. So, yeah. Although if you fail the wrong roll, you can be fucked. That's true. I mean, I don't see how at their core these mechanics are fundamentally different from D&D style mechanics where any given die roll can... Fuck you, because there's still success. There's still goals for success versus failure, you know, as opposed to success, the success you want versus complication or, or something like that. It's still straight up success versus failure goals. Right. Uh, there's still hit points. You can still be killed or seriously fucked up by a single roll. You still don't get once again much out of failing a roll, which I think was one of your major complaints about. Um, Random, ch- random chance when it's used improperly. Yeah. Um, I, I guess one thing that doesn't happen here that would happen in D&D style games is there's not much referring back to the book while you're rolling. Right. Combat doesn't stop. Right. You know, you roll and you get it over with and you move on. Roll, get it over with and you move on. And I think 
that's good, definitely. And that's a huge improvement. And maybe that helps to take some of the pain out of rolling because yeah. rolling doesn't become a hassle. Yeah. Oh, there's, there is one really good improvement. Mm-hmm. No critical miss. Aw. I, I was a big fan of critical failure. I missed them. <laughs> All right. So let's actually start start getting into it because now we're we're almost doing the rules lawyering of uh just talking about this game which is very old school indeed um so yeah let's start uh going a little more is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about um in terms of the the positive style of talking about this all right i want to say something at least then the weapon layout was 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 fantastic because of how simple it is instead of each weapon having a specific stat it's groups of weapons have different have a specific stat, and then you just pick the one that matches what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, that was good. It was good to have very simple weapon rules, very simple armor rules. Uh, I like the fact that encumbrance is included as a kind of um, you know as a kind of a wink and a nod back to old school style gaming. You still have encumbrance, which, but that the encumbrance rules aren't cumbersome, yeah. which they often were in old school games. They're very simple. If you have more than you can carry, and it's all on it based on the items themselves. You have heavy items, you have light items, you have medium weapon and items, and if you're carrying something too heavy, you got to put it down before you can do anything. I mean, isn't that how it works in real life? Instead of, oh, well, you know, he gets negative two because he's carrying too much weight on his back, and it's like, Nah, put that shit down so you can do something, you know? Yeah. Um, another thing I really liked, and this was mentioned briefly before, but I really like the way he handles the character classes and their sheets. Everything on that sheet is inspires you. Right. You, you look at that sheet, you could, and the sheet makes you want to play the game, which is something that... And it also summarizes all of the characters' rules, like the uh, different possible um, edges that you can use, and your, your races, and a lot of a lot of other little things, and and your gear, and what language you have, vehicle, lifestyle, fake identities, contacts, all that stuff is right on your character sheet. So it doesn't have to be in the book. So there doesn't have to be that redundancy there. That's cool. But mostly, I just really you look at this, you read the blurb under each class and you say oh that's cool and then you see the options and you're reading the options and each of them looks cool and they look cool in a very old school way it's like looking at the stat boxes in the monster manual and the descriptions in the monster manual and saying oh that's cool or looking at the list of class abilities in an old player's handbook and saying oh wow i want to use these i want to use these you know it's all it, it inspires play and I love the fact that the, the gear stuff that's included and the vehicles and stuff, it's all stuff that look, that you want to have. It's cool stuff, like you like really cool-looking cars that you want to be able to drive around in the game. And, and starting gear, it's not like, oh, did you bring the flint and the, you know, sure. did, you, did, you, did you bring some torches? And, you know, did you bring a pair of heavy socks? It's it's like a disguise kit. It's um, voice mutator and sub vocal mic. 
immediately that makes you want to use it and play as opposed to say, oh, well, I better load up on this in case we need it. Yeah. it which is how there were always a few little items like that in D&D, like the 10-foot the pole or the <laughs> or the, the stainless steel mirror or the, the bell where it was like, wow, that looks useless, but it makes me want to figure out a way to use it. And that, that's how this stuff is. This, the gear here might not tell you, oh my god, monocle, top hat, cloak, and cane, yes. You know, that doesn't say, you don't immediately think of practical uses for it, but you think, wow, I want to find a way to work this into the game. And that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to pretty much agree with that, that the uh, the character sheets are really cool in, a, in an old school way. Like, in kind of in the way of, like, you're looking through the book and, like, yeah. shit just jumps out at you. Like, wow, I'd like to play that. And that, uh, yeah, no, I definitely think the character sheets. And they're so, uh, they're so focused. Yes. on the different roles of, you know, the characters, it really makes it easy to decide, like, what you want to play. Because I knew almost right away that I wanted to play the Decker just from the description and the, uh, the description of the abilities. I guess the way the classes are set up, they're set up in a really cool, old-schooly kind of way that where the shit just jumps out at you and you want to play them. And, uh, you know, like, it just reminds me of that feeling of flipping through the book in D&D, like when I first got it, when I first, you know, was exposed to D&D. And, um, you know, just like, oh, yeah, I'd like to play this. And, yeah, I'd, I'd totally play that. And, yeah, yeah, that looks awesome. And the way the, the sheets are set up just really captures that feeling, I think. And I usually flop around a lot trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out. Alex, anything else you really liked about the game? No. No? Well, anything uh, you think needs fixing, improvement? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a huge list of them. I can go on for days. Really? Well, let's just start with one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I actually had quite a, uh, quite a peeve with the, um, the initiative, the order initiative, because... Um, the problem that I had with it is that it got rid of the entire purpose of original initiative. Because if you think about it, yes, the guy that is getting ready to attack you can shoot you. But your quickness is so fast, you're like lightning fast, almost as fast as a bullet. And you're getting ready to you're, you bull rush them to melee. But they get to shoot first because that's the way the game works. So you're saying you don't really like the different phases of initiative, where it moves from defense. If you're going to defend, you get to go first, and if you're going to shoot, you get to go next. If you're going to impede, and then move, and then melee, and then push or throw, you didn't really like that. Uh, the fact that the order of movement was based on what you were going to do more than it was on what you rolled. Yes, like initiative was just used to say who went first, and then initiative, and then then the order determined what really happened and there's also a few care you know a few character types like the melee users that get hosed because mm. the people who are mm. shooting are able to do you know go first right in fact right. that kind of happened in the game where it did if it wasn't for right. me having heavy armor i would have died the very like the first two rounds 
So that's kind of a big deal, <laughs> especially if somebody picks a melee character who has light armor in the game. Right. So you would have liked a more conventional order of initiative then, where maybe people roll their quickness and then it goes in art in that order, like highest quickness first, highest yeah. quick roll first, and second highest, like D and D style. Yeah, where the initiative determines the order, and then those commands, those seven commands, determine what you do uh, then and there. Right. So those are just choices for combat. Then. Yeah, that they they felt like they should be choices for me. Rudy, how did you feel about the initiative in this game? I actually didn't mind the initiative. I thought it was um, a good way to break down the normally pretty chaotic, you know, old school combat. And that, um, I guess, you know, you have rounds where the meliers go, and you have rounds where the spellcasters go, and then they're vulnerable for a little while, and then their shit goes off at the end which I thought was kind of neat because mm. it kind of forces you to plan ahead as far as uh, what you're going to do. Um, I just thought it was, I mean, I, I guess I, I just thought it was, it wasn't too terrible and it was kind of uh, like a kind of unique system. I've never really seen anything that, that does that, that does it the same way as this does, where you have different rounds for each type of action. Right. But, uh, yeah, and I, I thought one good thing about it, too, was that it was, it kind of takes the, um, it takes some of the, I guess, cut some of the time out of figuring out what you're going to do. Really? Like, yeah, because, I mean, the way he lays out the options here, I mean, they're all good options. There's no, like, really shitty options you know, that you wouldn't want to do. All of them sound cool. Like, you can push someone, or you can throw someone, or you can, you know, jump in front of a bullet for your friend, or that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I just thought that was pretty cool, because it kind of, it kind of, in some ways, inspires people to action, I guess. Oh, I see what you mean. So instead of taking out the, <laughs> the, the player's handbook, right. and looking through it for... 15 minutes looking at the spell list. Oh, do I want to cast this spell? Do I want to cast that spell? Oh, I don't right. know what I want to do. And then deciding, oh, well, I'll just roll my attack roll. Right, exactly. You're immediately given a bunch of good options. And then yeah. you decide which one you're going to use. Right. And play seems to flow um, directly from that, flow smoothly from that point. Uh, I, I actually think I agree with both you and Alex. I do definitely like the fact that those categories are there, uh, and I think exactly what you did, that they, they, they inspire sort of quick thinking, they get you to make quick decisions, there's not much dwelling on it, there's not much, oh, will this work, won't this work, and they, and they do a good job of categorizing your options so they don't get too complex and messy, but I wonder why they need to be, why they can't just be categories for combat, like when it's your turn, you can do one of these things. Why they have to dictate the order of combat. Because I think Alex is right that it does put a lot of, it does make you want to shoot. <laughs> I guess I'll put it yeah. that way. If you can shoot, it makes you want to shoot. And since, unless you are in a really tight room or something where 
you'll get a bonus for melee. You know, unless you're in a tight zone, you're probably going to try to shoot first, especially late in the game when you're low on hit points, because you might not live to get to the melee mode. Right. So I wonder if um, if there isn't something to be said for an old style initiative where you roll quickness numbers and put them in order, or even I mean this game. Chaos seems to be part of the uh, genetic material of this game. Why not just have everyone, maybe not roll at the same time, but have everyone's actions go off at once? Yeah. Would there be a reason why you can't have that happen? So maybe he shoots, you shoot, you swing with your sword, and all three of you end up dead at the end. The only way that could uh, be uh, a bad thing is if there's uh, timing issues, like if you're in one zone and you move over, you know, things like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. that can be that can be solved. But moving between zones take up, takes a turn anyway, so you can't move and then fight. And so. Which is something I like, by the way. It gets rid of five foot steps and that nonsense. <laughs> you know, no five foot steps. No. Well, how much can I move this turn and still attack? It's you move, and you move between zones. You know, right. you don't move, you don't get out of roller. You move, and you attack. Or you move, or you attack, rather. So, oh, cool. right. uh, oh, Rudy, were there things that you thought needed some improvement here? Or could uh, be changed? I didn't really uh, go for the karma system. Ah, I was going to say that, too. Um, I guess because it was kind of too loose as far as how karma was awarded yeah and that was basically i mean it it seemed fundamentally like a cool idea like you know you just somebody does something cool and you grab a chip and hand it to them Mm -hmm. but um i mean it it just was kind of it was easy to forget about it i guess because we for we actually forgot about it until the end of the game yeah and then uh, we were like, oh, shit, we need, you know, hit points here. So we got to go back and, uh, you know, right. assess our karma. I, I want to let you know, I, I knew about it the entire time, but I was, I, I know in the rules it, it said, you, you know, somebody has to say, like, oh, that was pretty cool. And yeah. no yeah. one said that the entire time. And I was like, okay, I guess I don't get, get any points. And then right when right. I said near the end of, like, Oh well, I, I think I have like a good like I think I have like six karma points, guys. I mean, come on. And then you and then you guys had to go like revise like yeah, that was actually pretty good. I should have gave you that. And then blah blah blah. Yeah. Technically, the rules say whenever someone does something awesome in the game that makes everyone go hell yeah, anyone at the table can grab a karma token out of the karma pool and award it to that player. Mm. I don't like these gold star social affirmation mechanics they're cool points hate them can't stand them fundamentally now that, that's not to me don't get me wrong don't say, think that i'm saying i don't like social mechanics and that i don't like mechanics where where um things happen because of how people behave in the game what or and i, I even have i've 
like games where there's almost social punishment mechanics too. But what I don't like are these kind of social reward mechanics. Like I said, this sort of, you get a gold star for doing something other people thought was cool. Because it, it raises all sorts of, like, it raises the question of how cool is cool enough. And it also raises issues like what happens when someone does something that they think is really cool and no one else at the table really gets it? You know, what if yeah. someone put a lot of work into something and because they're functioning on a different wavelength than everyone else, no one even thinks to give him a karma point. And then that player is kind of disappointed. He's like, oh, I put a lot of work into that. No one really, you know. And in most games, in games that don't have those kind of social reward mechanics, play would just start keep moving. And the guy would feel that the reward was getting to do the really cool thing that he thought of, right? That's the reward. I thought this was, I did it, and it felt really cool to me. But now it's, I did it, it felt really cool to me, but I had to look around at my friends at the table, and no one really thought it was that cool. And that kind of, and it takes you out of the game, even if, you do do something you think was cool and everyone else just thinks it's cool and they give you a karma point, there's still that moment where the flow of the game is interrupted and where everyone sits down and sits back and acknowledges, oh, we're playing a game. Here, here's your gold star. I just, you know, those... I think that... What I did really like about the karma system is how karma flows in play, the way you can spend karma... The players get karma, then they can spend the karma, and instead of spending it back into the pool, they actually spend it to the GM. Then the GM has their karma, and he can use it to buy things to screw with the players, and then it goes back to the pool where the players can win it, and then they can use it to get extra hit points or to to fight against the GM, and then they give it to the GM, he uses it to screw them, and it goes around in a circle. I thought that was really fantastic. I just thought if there was a different way to earn the karma, if there was something more concrete and that felt less like shopping around for a pat on the back, I would have been totally down with the karma system. Yeah, no real arguments coming from me. Um, I mean, the only thing I would probably change is how it's earned exactly, like you said, because I thought of the karma system as exactly karma, not as in cool points because that's really what the system yeah. was it was not karma at all it was cool points you did something cool here's a benny right right yeah. exactly yeah. okay so um anything else in this game maybe uh could use some tweaking oh uh no plus bonus to hit brah when it comes to shooting you know, I have to admit, I kind of like the fact that your um, your attributes aren't really added into combat rules very much. Yeah. Especially since your attributes are ter- determined totally at random at the beginning of the game. <laughs> well, actually, now your strength is, but that's for those melee people. Those people who get to go late in the game. Anything else that you think needs tweaking? Oh, I mean, like, the only thing that would be a maybe would be the layout of uh, creating your character because it requires a lot of back-and-forth page counts. Oh, you mean going between the character sheet and the 
Yeah, because then you'll have to go, you, you know, page one, you roll your dice, page two, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, step three, you have to go back down to your character class to select your meta type, and you have to go back up to the creating thing to see, oh, I have to go pick an edge. You have to go back right down to the very bottom to pick your edge, then come back up to pick your weapon and armor, yeah. all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of back and forth at the top of the page, so the layout's right. a little wonky like that. There would probably have been less of a problem if we were playing at a table with the rules printed out and your yeah. character sheet in front of you, because then you can just look from the creating your runner page over to your character sheet and back and forth, and it's just scrolling down. But yeah, if you're playing it online like us, and you don't have physical character sheets, that can be kind of annoying. Oh, I would also like an idea of what the hell the currency actually does. Because right now oh, it means yeah. everything and anything. Oh yeah, good point. That's true. The currency, uh, the... In fact, a lot. And when we played the game, you just when we had money, you just made up a money a number that was higher than what we had, just so that we were forced <laughs> to do it. Money. I... Yeah, like for example, I'll I'll give you an example here. One example was, uh, you said that the rent for um for a oh, yeah. character was fifteen thousand, and you said yeah. that on purpose because both of us combined didn't have fifteen thousand. Actually, I didn't say that on purpose. I just pulled a random number out of my head. I actually had no idea how much money you had. <laughs> it just so happened to be money that we didn't have, exactly. So I just pulled a ridiculously big number out of my head. But yeah, overall, there's no real, un- there's no real need for the money system. It's, it's like it's a, yeah. it's a carry-on from the Shadowrun system. Yeah, that's that's very true. It doesn't really serve any kind of mechanical purpose in the game right now. Okay, final thoughts on Shadowhack. Awesome. Alex? Yeah, it reminded me of uh, regular old D&D, and I love the crap out of that game. It's, you know, narrative wargaming at its finest. Yeah. Yep. I had fun. Like the ultralight rules. A little bit of nostalgia here. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think that if you were looking for something to sit down and play for some beer and pretzel style role-playing with your friends... This is this is a pretty excellent option for that. Okay. And moving on to initiative. We talked a little bit about how initiative worked in ha- in Shadow Hack and how we felt about that. Now we're going to talk about the initiative mechanics or initiative mechanics in general. Rudy, why don't you start first since die rolls are your specialty? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'd rather not have initiative based on, uh, I mean, just as a personal preference. I'd rather not have initiative that's based totally on a dice roll, like a single dice roll. Mm. Because then you can get fucked and basically you're out of the game and you may not, you may not even get to see any action at all, depending on how the combat goes. I mean, the monsters could literally be dead before you get there. That's if true. You're, uh, if your initiative is too low, but um, I don't know what I think about initiative mechanics. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, it seems like a lot of the games we play uh, in our own group mm-hmm. don't really have initiative at all. They just—it's just like, well, you know, you do what what you say you do, and you do it when you say you do it. You know, it basically. It's kind of like a free-for-all. People just, 
You know, it's like you go and then you let your friends have their turn, and then that's basically that. And there's no real mechanical, um, I guess, benefit for rolling high or anything like mm-hmm. that. Well, most of them also don't have combat, at least not in the D&D sense, which yeah. allows that free-for-all thing to work in a way that it probably wouldn't work in D&D. Uh, but you know what, your, your grandmasters, your chess-based superhero game has turn-based combat. Right. Does that have some kind of initiative? How do you determine who goes first in that game? Um, boy, how do you determine who goes first? I think it's just, um, you just go around, it's like round-robin style shit. But I don't how- think... I don't think there's any. I think it's the person who's um, who owns the square usually goes That's first right. because right. they set up the action and stuff like that. But other than that, there's no real, you know. Right. The person who owns the board goes first, and then it goes around clockwise from them. Right. Which works. So you're saying you don't really care for initiative because if you get fucked by the dice, and you often do, you may be left out of combat entirely. Yeah, which is stupid. I mean, that right. makes no sense. Yeah, I agree with that. Alex, how do you feel? All right, so the thing with this one, like uh, many of our conversations here, is that there isn't just one way to determine initiative. And when we talked about initiative, most people were were probably thinking the, you know, roll a D10, uh, you know, minus your dex or plus, you know, add your dex modifier and uh, minus your armor. And there's your initiative. And then one, two, you know, call if you go for if you're going three, four, you know, all the way up to 10. Most people think of it of initiative as like that. But there are actually a lot of different ways people use to determine who goes first, you know, besides the good old-fashioned coin toss. Um, yeah, and that that's the thing. Um, initiative is not a bad thing. There's just bad ways to do it. Because, mm. yeah. uh, I mean, really, if, you, if, we, if we talk about this, like, you know, in depth here for a second, um, who, who decides who goes first on anything? Is it just like someone raises their hand, goes, says, "I go first, or is it like you know what what methods do you people usually use to determine who starts first in a time crunch scenario? Hmm. See, that's a good question. You're talking within a role playing game, right? Um, sure. I was thinking more like when you play Parcheesi or uh, you know. You uh, count your tokens. Oh, well, I mean, when you're playing a board game, usually they actually have what basically amounts to an initiative roll. At the beginning of the game, you roll a die and you pass it. Your person to your left rolls and passes it, and you go around. Whoever lucked uh, out and got like a six and a five ends up going first, right? Whoever rolls highest goes first, and then it, it goes around the table clockwise or counterclockwise or whatever. But how do, you, how do you do it well? I think that's a good question. And in our games, well, I don't think I have ever designed a game that had an initiative mechanic. But then I've never designed 
Well, I don't know. That's not true. I guess Escapist kind of did in the fantasy parts, but I, I, none of the games that I've put out on Misery Tourism are really combat-centric. You know, you don't get many of those scenarios where everyone's trying to do something at once and you need to figure out who does it first or else there will be consequences. And I think, I think part of the problem with initiative at its core is the concept that if you don't get to go first, you might not get to go. Or if you don't get to go, yeah, if, if you don't get to do your thing right now, you might not get to do it at all. And I think that it's best if a game, if you can design a game so that everyone eventually gets to do what they wanted to do or what they were trying to do, and maybe it, it's just a matter of um, deciding what order you do that in, then I don't think there's that much of a problem. If, if, if um, the order in which you move doesn't have a terrible amount of mechanical significance, then people are unlikely to, to be disappointed if they have to wait a few minutes before they get to do their thing. Mm. But then, you know, there are some games where I guess that's important. Yeah. If you have combat going on, although I don't see why everyone can't do their thing at once in a lot of instances, but then you do have strategic games where movement really matters. And where, um, where what you the choice you make on your turn will affect the choices people make on their turn, yeah. and everything at once isn't feasible. And in that case, I'm not sure what you do about initiative. Now, uh, basically, what I was um, there, there definitely is a reason for uh, games you have initiative, and. Mm. But it's all really based on the preference. Because for me, I love initiative. I love it quite a bit. Especially when there's multiple actions being taken at once. It mm. kind of um, it kind of gives you a little bit of order to the scene. Because there could be uh, people taking actions that, are, um, that get in the way of other people's actions. And um, having a, a, a order of operation, if you will, is, can be pretty important for those kind of things. Such as like um, when I uh, like when we played the Shadow Hack game, the uh, the initiative, uh, the order that we the uh, actions done there, that one was pretty important because mm. the uh, the boss that we were facing, he rolled a two d twelve, and two d twelve is usually going to penetrate every single armor we had on the field. So uh, me going at him with my melee weapon, I am usually going to get hit by mm. his gun. And that will affect the narrative every single time uh, because he gets to go first regardless of how I feel. Like, regardless of what I do, he gets to go first. And there's no even there's no even real control over that style of initiative. I could shoot him, yeah, but all my strength is in the, is in the melee, so I'm penalized for doing melee. Right. In that, in that style of initiative. Meanwhile, the initiative that people are, you know, used to the D and D style initiative, it's how fast are you? It's not. It doesn't matter how um, how quick your your weapon is. It's how fast you are as the as the as the character in terms of right. the, uh, you know, in terms of uh, being able to react to things. So that one makes a little more sense of why there's a random like you know D10 for it, mm. followed by your actual stat because your actual stat. 
affects your bottom line of right. initiative. Meanwhile, the variable represents like, you know, your, uh, your panic in terms of getting like your resolve correctly, you know, you getting on, getting, uh, being on toe. Mm. And that also can screw people over too, because, you know, there's that huge gap of one to 10 that can affect you greatly. You know, it's not like a 1D4 where the variable is not that much. There's a pretty uh-huh. huge gap, and that is where people can get upset by the uh, by the separation. Right, and in a game like D&D, it's 1 through 20. So what if you just used your stat modifier, right? That's something you have some control over when you stat your character out. How would you feel about that? Let's say, let's pretend it's D&D, and instead of rolling 1D20 and adding your decks, you, add, you take your decks... And your improved initiative, if you took that feat, you add them together, and that determines where you go. I would feel um, I would feel a lot better in terms of the uh, the random chance, but then I would also feel a little bit um, a little bit uh, upset, or not upset, but like you know a little disappointed from time to time, like when the narrative uh, mm. gave that moment where it's like, okay, I should really fight for this scene because. If I don't, he'll automatically go first and win. Right. And if I don't have that random, you know, um, action, your actions are hanging on, a, you know, are, are on, on the tip of the balance, something's going to teeter and you might fall first because he automatically gets to go first because, you know, or you automatically get to go first because of whatever the stats are. Mm. I don't know, Rudy, how would you feel about that if it was just a straight up stat bonus you used? I think that would be cool, except um, a lot of times you'd have to have some way to break a tie with monsters that have the same stats. Roll? Yeah, roll. I mean, so then it, <laughs> and it then gets it, back to random jam. Then it eventually gets back to it, so that's... <laughs> I mean, isn't that really... So yeah, I mean, I guess I'd feel better about better with it that way than, you know, 1d20 plus stat. Right. So, can you think of any games that really did initiative well? Hell yeah. I'll tell you about this one. I told uh, It's called Ophidian 2350. It was one of the coolest initiative style games I've ever played. Basically, whoever got beat up the most goes first. Hmm. Hmm. So, if you take... In- if you had taken damage before, no. Basically, at the start at the start of the round, if no one's been hurt, like you know, if, if it's a fresh combat, then that's a flip of the coin. This he who goes first. But then everything after that, like you know, you you do your action, he does his action. New round starts. Whoever's taken the most damage goes first. So the people who have been screwed by the game thus far at least get the advantage of getting to move first after that. Exactly. That is actually a pretty good way to do it, especially if your game is going to include a lot of random chance. You might as well have initiative be something that tries to, um, you know, fix the balance. Yeah, because yeah. in, in that game, I'm sorry, I'll just, I'll just finish a second and then you can go here. But in that game, uh, the reason why the guy who got hurt most uh, goes first is because of the desperation. He's more likely to go first. In terms of oh, be, in terms of doing a, something desperate. Oh, I see. So go ahead, Randy. Well, I was just gonna say, um, I like games where the initiative 
has some kind of social component. And the only one of well, one of the games that uh, I remember is so I haven't played this, but it's a uh, Robert Bowles misspent you. Mm. Um, basically, whoever grabs the fucking dice first gets to go <laughs> first. <laughs> I think it's misspent you. It's it's um, but basically, yeah, it's whoever grabs a dice first, they roll it, and it's over pretty much whatever they get to do what they get to do mm-hmm. so um but i mean stuff like that where there's some kind of social mechanic involved in the initiative or there's some kind of social thing involved in it and it's not just like well we're all gonna roll off and see who goes right yeah other than that i can't really think of too many other systems but that Ophidian does, that sounds pretty cool, though. I like that. The idea of it, like, if you get fucked up, then you get to go first. I have remarkably little to say about this topic. I, I guess because if you're rolling initiative, your system is probably in some ways crunchier than I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know. I can't think of, I mean, a really good way to do it. Well, how would you like to do it if you had the option to control initiative? If I if I had designed a game that needed to have initiative... Yes, they actually needed it. Needed initiative, and I have to figure out how I'm going to do it. I mean, obviously it would depend on the game, but that's a cop-out. Um... All right, here it is. Here, here's your situation. Hunter versus Hunted. Like the Predator RPG? <laughs> like the Predator RPG. There you go. There's your inspiration. How would you have initiative? Predator Let's... goes first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or the... What's the name of the movie where the people are hunting other humans on the island? Not the Hunger Games, but the oh. the old one. <laughs> well, it's, it's the world's uh, the greatest hunter or something like that. Yeah, there's something uh, something game, the deadliest game game oh, or right. something like that. I don't uh, anyway. How would I do it? I mean, I I would if I was designing some kind of crunchy. Okay, so I'm designing a crunchy tactical game about people hunting each other. I mean, I guess I'd maybe make it based on location, like who has the higher ground, who has. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I, I guess I'd make it maybe situational. Okay, that's actually a answer, though. So there you go. You you would it make it situational answer. instead of just making it random modifier. It's, it's not a very good answer, though. It's not an answer I like. Okay, so you've got a game where people are hunting each other for sport. How do you determine initiative? Um, My totally not-a-troll abilities are totally kicking in right now. I love hearing you <laughs> flounder. <laughs> I don't know. Um, based on, I feel like I'm thinking too inside the box. But you know what? You know what I would do? I would get some chalk. I would draw a line on the floor. I would make the players race out of character for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, explain, because I, I I I'm not fully catching you. I don't know because they're probably running from. You know, because they're physically running inside the game to uh, probably escape. I mean, if I wanted to get really, really 
meta about it. You'd get on horseback. <laughs> uh, you'd put them out in the lawn and have them run away from you while you shot at them. I mean, whoever makes it to the finish line first wins. That's a LARPing, sir. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Man, I don't know. I I have nothing against LARPing. That's how we would resolve it in our game. We would LARP that yeah. out. Okay. Which really isn't that different from Robert Bowles, whoever gets picks up the die first, gets to roll it. Yeah. I, I don't know. If you're talking... But you know what? Maybe if if initiative was a resource that you could manage like anything else in the game, maybe if you either earned initiative points through play somehow, hmm. you know, through through your interactions with um with the other mechanics in the game, which is kind of what the uh, the if you're most damaged for example, mechanic does. It's like other mechanics in the game dictate initiative or help to dictate initiative. So if your actions within the game or if, if previous things that had happened to you or if you had some kind of resource pool that you could use to spend on initiative but which you could also save and bank to do other things, something like that, where, where going first is just one of many possible choices, and it puts agency back under the player's control. So the player gets to choose whether or not going early is a priority for them, and whether it's more important than doing other things later. I think that would be something, an initiative. In a crunchy combat game, that's the kind of initiative I could get behind. Strategic initiative. Yeah, an actual answer. Awesome. There. There, it only took me 20 fucking minutes to get it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all together, like, what, um, I think that's all you guys got have to say about initiative, because initiative is kind of a big deal. It is. Yeah. If the game has it. And it's ruined many a game for Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, final thoughts on initiative. Alex? I love it. Can't get enough of it. Rudy? Um, I think it's fine when it's done decently. Mm. Uh, done decently meaning everybody gets to do their cool shit, basically, at some point. They may not, uh, they may not get to do it first, but they get to do it eventually. It, it includes everybody, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. My final thought on initiative is meh, meh, meh. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Basically, how I feel about it. <laughs> Your shoulders can only you know, arch so much. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So, any we're wrapping up now. Any final, final, final thoughts? Oh, I would like to honor this uh, this podcast uh, to to the awesome power of Raekwon. Of the Wu Tang Clan. On the chef. Yeah. Yes. He was, he, he was yeah, the chef samurai for our Shadow Hat game, and he was the greatest player in that game, at least in my eyes. <laughs> Particularly since he was your character. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Alex never has a shortage of praise for his own work. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, anything else? Rudy? 
Who do you um, do you love someone this week, Rudy? Who's your new crush? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Callan is still pretty much all there, but other than that, no real new crushes. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to say miserytourism.com backslash forum. Register. Maybe someone else will make some posts <laughs> or something. Yeah. I'll respond to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, there we go. Say bye-bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Wait, who's unplugging the mic? I don't know. You you unplugged yeah. the fuck. Guess what, guys? We're actually going to do this right time. this time. We're not going to go away pissed or angry. We're just going to say goodbye. Oh, okay. I guess. I'm kind of pissed about doing it that way, though. <laughs>